Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today's series, we kick off a series that will go through the end of the month called Thankful. Thankful. Say that with me. Thankful. Full. Why don't you say thank and you say full, okay? Thankful. What do you give the person that has everything? Have you ever tried to give a present to someone who is rich? It's almost like a little bitty five-year-old child trying to give something to their parents. Because, like, what do you give a person that has everything? That's a great question, isn't it? The Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all of those who live in it. So what do we give a God who owns everything and created every single thing that's good? As a matter of fact, here's a better question. What does God need? What does God need? Do you think God needs us? Three proud people going, "Uh uh-huh. God can't do it without me. I'm a Boudreaux. Okay. It's another conversation for another time. What What do we give the God who needs nothing? He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. There is nothing that is created that's good that he didn't create. You say, Pastor, how about the bad things? That was good things God gave that man perverted. God didn't create it bad. We took a gift God gave us and put it in the wrong place and made it bad. You can clap right there. But God indeed does desire something from each of us. Regardless of our profession, regardless of our possessions, whether we're three years old or 93 years old, there is something that God desires from every one of us. What is that? How many parents do we have here of older children? You have older children, adult children, okay? Let me ask you a question. Christmas is coming up. Have your children called you and said, Mama, would you like a new Benz for Christmas? (laughs) Daddy, I've been thinking about it. You need a brand new bass boat, Daddy. Okay, if that ever happens, call a Cadian ambulance. Okay, they're on crack cocaine. You, you know that doesn't happen because, because really the truth is what, what can they, but can, is there something they can give you that you desire? William Shakespeare said, there is no tooth so sharp as a thankless child. Have you ever done something special? You really worked at it hard for your kids and, 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 and then, you know, you gave it to them and everything and then you're just like waiting. Like you've thought about it, you bought it, you, put, you thought you put it at the right time, everything. And, and then you, you go, okay, you give it to them and they're like, ah! And like you're waiting. Like you're waiting. And then finally they turn around to walk away and you go, um, <clears throat> your wife has you by the back of the collar. And you say, is there anything that you'd like to say? 
And they go, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. What do you give the person that has everything but needs nothing? There is something God wants from you and me. One of the signs of the last days, Romans 1 says, in the last days they will be unthankful and ungrateful. Do you know, Michelle and I, you know, just went, went to Israel and were there in Jerusalem at the Temple of David. And do you know that when you went into the temple before, they had people outside and their full-time job was to give thanks and praise to God so that you understood if you were going to church, imagine if you were walking into church and we had a worship team out in the front to remind you that it was time to praise God and to thank God. That's what it was like. L -l Listen to what... It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 2, Hezekiah organized groups of the priests and Levites for their respective tasks, handing out job descriptions, conducting the services of worship, making the various offerings, and say it loud, that and took place wherever God was what? Why do men, why do we always have to be reminded to be thankful like our children? Why? Someone said gratitude is the most short-lived emotion there is. Remember that gift you meant to buy for somebody? Remember that card you meant to write? Remember that little cash gift you were going to give someone? But it never, ever happened I began to do a little study about the word thankfulness, and, and I was pretty shocked. Do you know what the root word of thanks is? T-H-A-N-K-S. Do you know what the root word is? To think. In other words, thankfulness should come when we think about how good God and other people have been to us. Maybe the reason that we're so unthankful is because our world is filled with amusements. Do you know what the word muse means? M-U-S-E? To think. You know what amuse means? To not think. And maybe our children are so busy playing with video games and watching TV and preoccupied with TikTok, Snapchat, your chat, that chat, whatever the next Facebook is, which is even over. Maybe that we don't stop and we don't look and we don't think how grateful we should be. Isn't it interesting? Man, naturally, his thinking always goes downward. Like when I'm not thankful, I naturally start thinking I did it. We are naturally going to thank somebody. Either we're going to thank others, we're going to thank ourselves, or we're going to thank God. Today, I want to give you eight reasons why we in this room should be the most thankful people on earth. Those watching should be the most thankful people on earth. And I'm going to start with the least reason to the greatest reason. Are you ready? Okay, is there anybody ready besides the six people on this side? Okay, here we go. Number eight, because I live in the United States of America. 
Because we have a system whereby our finest, our best, young men and women, whenever our nation is threatened, rise up and go and to defend us so that we can have freedom to worship like we want. So that we can have freedom to work. So that we can have freedom to build a home and a future. Listen carefully to me. We live in a day and age where people spend their lives and even have occupations tearing down our country. Listen to me. People aren't lined up by the millions walking across rivers and streams risking their lives to go to China, to go to Russia. But they fly in from everywhere in the whole world to try to get to Mexico or some other border to be able to cross into the United States because on our worst day, the United States is still the greatest nation on the face of the earth. We've gotten far away from God, but even far away from God, we're still the best thing going. I'm sorry if your guy didn't get elected. I'm sorry if your person didn't get a right position, but let me remind you, there's been worse political officials than the ones we have now, and let me give you encouragement. There'll be worse ones in the future. But on your worst day and our worst day, the United States of America is the most blessed nation in the history of mankind. Yes, you may clap. Let me explain this to you because, because when I say this, people like, really? Like, half the world slept on the dirt floor last night. There's seven billion people on the earth, and three and a half billion of them slept on the floor last night. Half of the world's income. Okay, how much do you make an hour? I remember my first job, I got paid $1.65 an hour. Overtime was two fifty. I had it going on. Okay. Do you know what the average income is of half of the world? Less than $2 a day. Less than $2 a day. I went to Bolivia three years ago to see missions that we support with Compassion International and and they took us out to a village where, where we were going to meet some of the people that they were helping. And, and it was an area where they made bricks. So we pulled up to a home that was probably five or 600 square feet. They knew we were coming. And the whole family, from the oldest to the youngest, had all their church clothes on. And they were standing there like this. And we waited. And I said, well, where's the father? And they said, look over there. And I looked. And off in the distance maybe a football field away, a man was walking this direction, but all I could see was bricks everywhere. The houses were made of bricks. So I said, wow, there's a lot of bricks here. He said, well, yes, the dirt here has so much sand in it. It's conducive to make bricks. So the man goes and gets water and he pours it and he forms bricks out of his hand and he makes stacks of bricks. And then once a week, a man comes in a truck, picks up all the bricks and then goes and sells them in another place where they need brick. And I said, man, when does he start that? He, started, he eats breakfast, and when the sunlight comes up, he starts working, stops at lunch, and then works till sundown every day. I said, well, how much does he make? He said, one dollar per day. So your little CeCe's order? Your little Starbucks order? Okay. That's a week's salary for that man working sun up to sun down, making brick to support his family. We live in the most blessed 
nation in the history of mankind. And the poorest American is richer than half of the world. Would you say this with me? I'm blessed. You are. I'm blessed. I live in the USA. Here's number seven. You're going to love this. I get the free songs before I even say it. Do you know what the happiest city in America is? Let me show you. Let me show you the list. Where is the number one happiest city in the United States? Hey, look at me. I didn't say the healthiest city. I didn't say we had more geniuses than anywhere else in the world. But we live in the happiest city in the world. Yeah, we got some potholes in our streets. Yeah, the schools can be a little raggedy. Yeah, we don't jog as much as we should. But man, we are fat and happy and we love Jesus. We love the church and we love South Louisiana. Come on. You should be the most thankful people in South Louisiana. Let's just start thanking God, but we can Cajun food. Boudin. Have you ever tried to explain boudin to somebody that they look and they go, I've heard of a thing called Bodine. And you go, just stop, stop, stop. No, no, no. How about crackling? How about crawfish? I mean, I still am puzzled by the guy who was so hungry. He was sitting around wondering, you know, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? And he looked across the ditch and he saw something crawl and he went, man, that looks good. <laughs> Listen, this is South Louisiana. We invented Tabasco. Okay, and Tabasco started having children. Louisiana hot sauce. Okay, and those children started drying up and they had children, Tonys. <laughs> like, like if you live in South Louisiana and you go to eat something, you go, I need some Tonys. Like you say that in Texas, they go, Tony who? <laughs> like, like you don't know. I mean, Louis, South Louisiana is the only place where you can look at somebody and go, slap your mama. And they run to the kitchen and not to the bedroom to start slapping people. We are blessed. They used to have me open up. They have this thing at, at, at the uh, um, convention center. Well, they did it at the Cajun Dome. That's where first few times. And, and what they did is they'd have tables as far as you could see, and they had all the best cooks in South Louisiana, and they would do the best gumbo, the best etouffee, the best shrimp, the best. It was the best of, okay? And then they gave you all the free alcohol you wanted to drink. And it was like $200 a person. And then they asked me to come and bless that. <laughs> Literally, they, I was watching it all the first time I went in. And so I said, what am I going to say to all these future drunk people? <laughs> they were like pre-drunk. And, and so I, I just looked at all the food. and It was so amazing. I, I walked up and they said, and here for the invocation is Pastor Jacob of our Savior's church. And I walked up and I said, they asked me to bless the food. But I live in South Louisiana. Y'all know our food's already blessed. I guess I'm going to pray for all you future pre-drunk people. 
that God will help you get home. How happy are the people of South Louisiana? You wave at people you don't even know. Like, well, oh, yeah, yeah. People, you, people you're like, you have a, a neighbor, like, do you know him? No. Why'd you do that? Because I don't know him. If I knew him, I probably wouldn't say hi to him. Because we live in the happiest city in America. We got our own language, Cajun French. We got our own people, Cajun people. We even have our own Navy. Come on. You ever heard of the Arkansas Navy? It's the Cajun Navy. It's the Cajun Navy. Here, number six. Because being thankful keeps my pride crucified. Pride has I right in the middle of it. P-R-I-D-E. Sin has I right in the middle of it. S-I-N. And there's a natural propensity of all of us to be proud. There's a natural propensity to think that somehow we did it all. Look at me. Why weren't you born in Africa on a dirt floor? Why weren't you born in Haiti where there's constant upheaval? Why weren't you born in many of the nations where there's communist rule like China or other dictators in other areas like Russia? Do you know why? Because God blessed you so much that he put you in the wealthiest nation in the history of mankind. And out of 7 billion people, he put you in the United States. And after that, he loved you so much, he put you right here in South Louisiana. When I am thankful for that, it puts a different eye in me. Psalm 69 verse 30 says this, I will Praise the name of God with song. And magnify means I just make big. Like I'm going to make big what God's doing in my life. Because it's true. With what? How do I make it big? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. There is just a propensity in all of us to go to I and to me instead of God, us, and we. The fifth reason. Because being thankful multiplies what you have. Have you ever not had enough? What do you do when you don't have enough? Jesus was faced with just such a situation. Jesus was preaching and people had been with him. And it was 5,000 people and it was getting late and they were tired and hungry. And Jesus was about to dismiss them. And he looked at the disciples and he said, guys, I want to dismiss these people, but I can't send them away hungry. If you ever get hungry while I preach long, it's biblical. And so Jesus said to the disciples, we got to feed them. And the disciples said, look, we, we had billions of dollars. We couldn't feed all these people. Where would we get the food? And one of the smart Alex said, I found a kid and he's got a lunch. Now, what's interesting is, there were 5,000 people there. Do you think that little boy was the only one that brought a lunch? He was just the only one that offered it. Hey, he's 75 years old, okay? Some big Jewish holiday. Did Papa ever tell you about the time that I gave my lunch to Philip? Y'all never heard that? Well, sit down. Papa wants to tell. Here comes the fish story again. I can't believe it. 
And Jesus took it, and here's what happened. John chapter 6. Then Jesus took the barley loaves and the fish, and, and then he gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people, and miraculously the food did what? You know what thankfulness does? It multiplies what you have. It multiplies what you have. Here's number four. Here's number four. So that those who don't know God will hear us. So that those who don't know God will hear us. First Peter 2, 9, Peter writes and says, but you are the chosen, only ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of the priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work, and, and do what? Speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference that he's made in you from nothing to from rejected to don't ever let your children forget that God delivered you from alcohol. Don't ever let your children forget God delivered you from drugs. Don't ever let your children forget that you were proud and arrogant and that you would have been a horrible husband and you would have continued the legacy of your parents or grandparents, but that the grace of God, Jesus saved you, redeemed you, filled you with his spirit. And now they have a different mama and a daddy and a different legacy to inherit. You, 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 ever, you ever look at the world around you and go, man, the world has no taste. It's just sick. It's rotten. Do you know that we're called to be light and salt? Do you know what salt is? It's a preservative. Last night when we were at Amberly's graduation, she spoke, did an amazing job. They gave us some Texas roast. Man, that thing needed some Tony's terribly. I mean, I ate as much as I could. I just stopped. I said, they don't have any salt. And said, they don't believe in salt. I said, they got Tony's? Slap your mama. Slap anybody. Just do they have something to put on here? I literally stopped eating. Whenever a world loses its taste and whenever a world becomes rotten, it's not because the world is not the world. That's what the world will always be. It's because the salt has not done its job. That's our job. That's your job. That's my job. Number three, so that our children will hear us. So that our children will hear us. Little quiz. Have your children heard you laugh? Have your children heard you cry? Have your children heard you scream? Have your children heard you yell? Have your children heard you curse? And that's, this is all an LSU game I'm talking about. Look at me. What do you want your children to remember you saying? Psalm 79, verse 13, David writes and says, So we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give you how long? Okay, my life is temporary. Your life is temporary. How can I ensure that praise goes on forever? Watch this. We will declare it and, in other words, we will say it and we will write it and praise him from Two, it's your job that your children see you thank God so much, praise God so much, that the natural response to anything good that happens to them is they go, thank God this came from God. Let me tell you this. There's a lot of black mamas that may not have given their children a big financial inheritance. 
But every time you shine up on TV and you hear a Jaden Daddens, the quarterback from LSU, and they go, what do you think? You just shocked the world with this one thing. He goes, I just thank God that God gave me the opportunity to be in this blessed situation. Listen, he didn't come to that on his own. There was a mama, a grandmother, a grandfather, a preacher, somebody sowing that into his life. So at the greatest moment of his life, what boils out is, thank God, not thank me. I shocked the world. Isn't that horrible when you see it? We shocked the world. I took a round ball with air in it, and I threw it to a hole this big, and the world is shocked. Look, dude, you make $10 million a year to do that. It would be shocking if you didn't make it through the hole. I'm shocked you get paid $10 million. So that those that don't know will hear it, so that our children will hear us. My calling is to ensure that God will be thanked and prayed in the next generation by the example that I set. Now, let me tell you something, mom and daddy. Your children will often fail to listen to you, but they will never fail but to imitate you. Never. Then finally, number two, because God deserves our thanksgiving. Hey, if life's not good for you right now, God's still good. If things are bad for you right now, that hasn't changed God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. If the world perverted something, if somebody that hurt you or you did something stupid to yourself, it has not changed the goodness of God. God is good and in him there is no shadow of turning. He never changes. Let me give you a sneak peek from TikTok in heaven. Let's get a little TikTok from heaven. Here it is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. John on the Isle of Patmos gets a vision of what's going to happen and is happening in heaven. Listen to what he says. There, the angels are saying, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive and, and, why? For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. God deserves our praise. He is worthy of our praise. Would you say it with me? He's worthy. Have you ever regretted praising somebody and later look back on it and go, that was so stupid, I didn't even know them. Is there anything worse than watching a bad Saints or LSU game where you wait, 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 wait for them to win, 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 and at the end they lose, you just cut off the TV. Like when, when they win, I watch the replays for the next three hours. I actually watched the Alabama LSU game again this week and acted like I was surprised at the inning just to surprise myself. Have you ever watched a movie you thought was going to be a good movie and you watched the whole movie and got to the end and go, that was the worst waste of three hours of my life. Listen to me. You will never praise God, thank God, worship God, offer praise and thanksgiving to him that you will ever, 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 ever regret in your lifetime. Here's the number one reason. The number one reason. The number one reason. What's going to happen at the end when we all die? Well, people often wonder, but Pastor, what's going to happen in? I know that I'm going to go to heaven, but what's going to happen in? There's going to be a judgment day. How many of you have ever heard of judgment day? And in judgment day, there's two judgments. One is for those 
that have been born again and given their life to Christ. Let me tell you what that means. That means because the OU died when you were on earth and Christ has come to live inside you, you've been born again, that you've already died once by dying to the OU so Christ can live in you. So when you die, your body dies, but your spirit stays alive and goes right to be with Jesus. But what happens if you don't give your life to Christ? If you're not born again, then you don't die once, you die twice. You die physically here, and then you die spiritually and are sent to a place called hell. Now, unless you think that God punishes people and that he's threatening people with hell, let me tell you what hell is. Hell is the only place that God is not. And if God is light and God is love and God is light, then for you to go someplace where he's not, that means it's going to be hate, it's going to be death, and it's going to be darkness forever. Hell is the place that God sends people who say, I don't want you ruling my life. And so he sends you when you die to the only place where he's not. John, the disciple of Jesus, the beloved, was sent to an isle of Patmos. And there he saw what was going to happen at the end. And he wrote it down in Revelation chapter 20. Listen to what he says will happen in the end. And then I saw a great dazzling white throne and one who sits on it. And heaven and earth fled from its presence and they were no more. And I saw the dead, the lowly and, okay, the man next door and Madonna. I want to be there for that one. The famous alike standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened. And the book of, when you're born again, your name gets written as those who are spiritually alive and citizens of heaven in a book called the book of life. So when you die and you stand before God, they're going to open up and go, okay, Boudreaux, we don't have many Boudreaux's. It should be easy to find you. No. If you're a Boudreaux, I'm just joking, kind of. I, he says he opened books of the famous Alike and standing before the throne of God, books were opened, and there was another book opened, the book of life, and the dead were judged by what they had done and what was recorded in, and the sea gave up all the dead souls that were in it, and death and the underworld gave up their dead, that's hell, and the grave. All of these people are coming, and all were according to what they had, then death, and the realm of the dead was cast into the lake of fire. For the lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not recorded in was cast into the lake of fire. Do you know why? It was D.L. Moody, the great preacher. He was like Billy Graham of his time. He said, one day you're going to read the paper and you're going to hear D.L. Moody is dead. Don't believe it. I will be more alive than I have ever been before, ever in all of my history. Listen, listen carefully to me. When we die and we stand before Jesus and that book of life is open, 
and it calls your name and it calls my name. And then we are judged by the works. Christians, okay, you're not going to be judged whether you go to heaven or hell. If you've given your life to Christ, you're born again, but your works will be judged by what you did according to what God wanted you to do with your life. Now, the disciples were with Jesus. And in Luke chapter 9, he gives them power over demons and sicknesses. There's 70 of them. You can go and read the story. They get so fired up, they come back and they go, Jesus, everywhere we went, we, we laid hands on sick people and they got well. Demons would come out and were subject to us. And they were all fired up. And listen to what Jesus said to them in Luke chapter 10. Now you understand that I have imparted to you my authority to trample over Satan's kingdom. And you will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power that possesses. That's a promise for you and me. Absolutely nothing will. You need to go underline that in your Bible as you walk in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that the spirits are submitted to your authority, but that your names are written in the book of life, the journals of heaven, and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is your true source of your authority and your joy. Pastor, how can I be more thankful? Number one, by saying it more. Look right here. Gratitude isn't gratitude until it's spoken. Gratitude isn't gratitude until it's spoken. I know you meant to say thank you. Gratitude isn't gratitude till it's spoken. Secondly, sing it. You know, psychologists and psychiatrists will tell you when you get into a crisis, you go into a mode called freeze, fight, or flight. Either you fight, you run, or you go like a deer in the headlights, a rabbit in the headlights. Do you know there is something that bypasses that part of your brain and reactivates the rest of your brain that's in freeze, fight, or flight mode? Do you know what it is? Singing. Singing. You know what I do when I'm in pain or in crisis? I sing. I sing. I worship. Worship brings me out of freeze, fight, or fly and brings me into the presence of God. Here's the third thing. Pay it. Pay it. Paying, tithing, giving 10% of our income is simply returning back to God what he already gave us. If God told you, I'll give you $100,000 if you give me 10000 back, what would you say? Well, of course. Many of you know I was raised in Texas. And I can think of folks standing up in a real professional steakhouse in Texas, Golden Corral. And you could see some old tall, gray-headed man with the hat on, some Lee jeans, some old worn-out boots, a belt buckle that looks like a Roman shield. And they stand up at the table and go, now children, we're going to return thanks right now. You know what that means? That we're going to give back to God what he's already given to us. If you don't understand that, then you don't understand that it is all yes. Everything that you have, everything that I have. And then the final thing is, we can pray it. We can pray it. 
Psalms 100 verse 4 says, You enter his gates with and enter his courts with giving, giving thanks to him. An old professional sportscaster I heard speak at a Super Bowl prayer breakfast said this. He said, the head coach of the Washington Redskins at that time was Joe Gibbs. That was when the Redskins were a team. They're something else now, whatever they are. He said, he told me one of the wisest things I've ever heard in my life. He said, when you go to bed at night, shove your shoes under your bed. And he said, I said, why, Joe? He said, so that every morning you start off on your knees. Every morning you start off on your knees. I enter my day with thanksgiving. I began by saying, God, thank you. I want to close by quoting Pastor Eugene. One of his famous sayings. There are many, but here's one of them. Gratitude is a small price to pay for the blessings of God on my life and on my family. It's a small price to pay. It's a small price to pay. So I want to pray for us as a church right now. Would you just take your hands and just lay them like this on your lap? Father, today our hands are open. Because we want to tell you how thankful we are. How often we forget. We don't want to have to visit St. Jude's Hospital to all of a sudden be thankful for our children and grandchildren's health. God, we won't have to go through some tragedy to all of a sudden be thankful that we had peace in our home. Some health crisis to finally thank God for healthy bodies. Some financial crisis to finally thank you for divine provision. Lord, we want to be thankful. Full of thanks for you. To you. We never want to forget the joy of our salvation. What our life would be without you, without the sacrifice of your son on the cross, without the blood shed for our sins to be forgiven, for us to have the, the freedom to get rid of fear, guilt, and shame, and to again start over. Start over. Thank you that our name is written in the book of life. Thank you that we are blood-washed, born-again, spirit-filled children of God. Thank you. Thank you. Now, would you just say that out loud? Thank you, God. Go say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you, is your name written in that book? Have you been born again? Have you died already to the old you? so that Christ could come to live inside of you by being born again. Jesus said, unless a man or woman is born again, they won't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman is born again, they won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. Have you been born again? 
That's when your name gets written in that book. That's when your sins are forgiven. That's when you come into a relationship with the living God. Pastor, how can I do that? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer and that he died for your sins so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. And C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin to repentance to be born again. If that's you and you're here and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but I've never been born again and my name's not written in that book. I've been christened, I've been baptized, I may have even joined a church. Jesus said you must be born again for your name to be written in that book. So if today you'd like to be born again, you want your name written in that book of life, you want to know God, you want to turn away and turn to him, then on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. I'm the only one that's looking. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just pray for you right at your seat, right where you are. One, God brought you here. Yes, it was God. It wasn't the person that invited you. Two, God has been working all the circumstances in your life to get you to this moment. That's why you feel what you feel in your heart. And now's the time to be born again, to have your name written in that book. Three, if that's you, lift it high. Let me see your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. You can put your hands down. Last 10 seconds, Pastor, I didn't raise my hand with these 22, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. You're asking this last time for me. I know it. If you didn't raise your hand, but you should have, raise it and wave it at me and join these 22. Wave it at me. Wave it at me. Yes, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. All right, you can put your hands down. Church, let's join those that raise their hand and let's all pray together this prayer for them to be born again today. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe it on the cross. You took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, in a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. My name is written in the book of life, and I am born again. Amen. Give those folks a big hand. <laughs>